Hey, everybody. Scott Fontana here alongside Dan Urban. What's up, everybody? We're the Couchside Judges, back again to break down judging in the world of mixed martial arts. This week, we're looking back at the action-packed but super screwy ESPN Plus event from Norfolk, Virginia. Dan and I have a lot of pent-up frustration with the way Virginia officials handled a UFC event that featured a championship fight. As usual, we'll break down the judging in that fight as well as address some scores from the judges that didn't quite match what everyone at home saw. Later, we'll look back and rescore one of the best fights from 2019 using our own criteria. But let's not beat around it. We've been anxious to get into how poorly Virginia handled Saturday's event. Dan, tell me what's wrong with the brace for it. Virginia Department of Professional and Occupational Regulation and its Boxing, Martial Arts, and Professional Wrestling Advisory Board. There may never be a worse place to sanction an MMA event ever. I never thought I'd say that, especially after what Texas did. Oh my God, yeah. (laughs) But Virginia makes Texas look amazing, and I think Virginia should be banned from MMA. I I don't know if I'm going to go that far, but I'll tell you this. I don't want to see the UFC. I don't want to see Bellator. I don't want to see any of them go back and put on major shows there anymore. This is a commission that needs to get its act together. I'm I'm done with the shenanigans here. They but do. there's so much wrong with this. Like, tell me, Dan, what what was like the biggest thing wrong here? Like let's we we can hit a few points here. What was wrong? Start with the biggest thing. All right, let's start with one. I mean, the unusual scoring criteria. Mm-hmm. How are these judges supposed to score the thing when the wording in their criteria is not clear. Can you kind of uh, sum up exactly what their scoring criteria was supposed to be? Okay, so basically what it says is if a round is a majority striking, then you weigh the striking the heaviest and basically disregard anything else unless it becomes a tiebreaker situation where the striking's even. Now we move to the grappling. As opposed to in, in the normal criteria that we are all familiar with is effective striking and effective grappling are weighed the same. Correct. And I don't believe that control and aggression are completely disregarded as tiebreakers as they are in their regular ABC. So they're not, they would be weighed into the entirety of the scoring and not something you'd get to if everything was even? I think so. That's Um, not clear. it's, It's very unclear because the way I read it, it almost seemed to imply area control, which would typically be the second form of tiebreaker under the ABC criteria would end up being the first tiebreaker, followed by effective aggression, and also including effective defense, whatever that particularly means. I guess that means not getting hit. If you run around in circles and don't get hit, you win the round on effective defense. I guess in theory it could mean how well you're countering or how well you're defending takedowns, but that's that's not trying to win a fight. That's not losing the fight. That's, that's well, here's a silly my, way to do if, it. If you're slipping and ripping, then that would just be scored under effective striking. Why would you even need yeah. an effective defense criteria? What about what else? Tell tell me where, what else we got to talk about. What uh, else is wrong uh, with this? The complete unprofessionalism of these people. I think they put their scorecards together 20 minutes before the fight even started. You know, there was typos and errors all over them. It was atrocious. I don't know how many people at home really got the chance to look at these scorecards. Fortunately, we had Aaron Bronstetter who was sharing them on Twitter. Uh, we have every week MMA Junkie is always good about sharing every scorecard in a nice convenient article, but here are some highlights. We have Felicia Spencer, also known as, in Virginia, Delicia Spencer. Gabrielle Silver, as opposed to Silva. Zara Frame, or as we know her, Zara Fairn. Headliner, Davison Figueredo, or Davison Figueredo. This is, it's insane. And they even got one of the judges' names misspelled on 
a couple different ways, actually. Sometimes they got Derek Cleary correct. Sometimes he was Derek Cleary, D-E-R-I-C-K, but his name is actually D-E-R-E-K. I don't know how you actually mix it up two different ways. That's just laziness, in my opinion. I hope his paycheck was right. Uh, one would have to think. You don't want to have problems at the bank when it comes to stuff like that. And then another one, this is this is the, the peak of laziness here. You could tell that the way they actually went about approaching the filling out of these forms because on the Grant Dawson Derek Minner scorecard, it still said Gabriel Silva and Kyler Phillips, even though they had fought in the previous fight. So they obviously just typed these up and copy and pasted, but they forgot to do it on two of them. Oops. Yeah, it's a big oops. I mean, did these judges even know who they were scoring the fight for? <laughs> yeah, fortunately, they're always labeled red-blue, so they can always get that, but it, it's it's such a joke. They very clearly just didn't care about mixed martial arts. I don't understand. Yeah, they, they didn't give the card uh, or the fighters or their employees uh, the respect they deserved. And what else? We we got other things to complain about. This isn't this isn't all. How about the practice of scoring a round in which the fight ends? Yeah. <laughs> that one that one's a that one's a head scratcher. What's the point? I don't get it. Yeah, so to be clear, when a fight ends in the first round in most states, the judges do not turn in a score for that round. It's just left blank. That's all. In Virginia, it is common practice for them to submit a score for a round that the fight ended in, which is pointless because we're not going to a decision. It's it just doesn't it's not necessary. It, it's not necessary at all. And it led to some pretty funny results, actually, because for the most part, you saw judges grade the winner of a fight who got the finish. They would get the round in a 10-7, which, OK, if you're going to grade a round in which someone finished the fight, 10-7 is the score. That would be the score. Sure. Lisa Cuellar and Brian Costello, who are local Virginia judges, they only ever turned in, and this this is for every single round they did, whether it was a round that was finished or a round that went all the way, they only turned in 10-9s. They did not give out a 10-8 or 10-7 for anything, including a finish. I mean, that, that kind of opened our eyes to how they are going to judge for the entire night. Oh, absolutely. You got a real peek behind the curtain there. And alarmingly, Brian Costello gave TJ Brown a 10-9 in round two. Now, this is the round in which he was choked unconscious. I mean, I don't know how you win a round when you get choked unconscious. That's like a really, really good skill that TJ Brown has. Yeah, it was really impressive. More not as impressive as the actual choke from Jordan Griffin, but we'll get to that later. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I just don't understand. Did he... Did he just make a mistake? Is it because it didn't matter because the round ended? If so, what was the point? Why are you even bothering? Even if it was a mistake, it's inexcusable. It's stupid. Now, another thing I want to point out about the the assignments here, Cuellar and Costello worked every prelim. This was a weird assignment here where every single prelim they worked. I don't Usually judges end up getting a break here or there. If you look at the bout order, typically there's, there's someone who gets to come off and take a little bit of a break, but I guess Virginia wanted to give Costello and Cuellar uh, a little bit of experience. Cuellar, they didn't actually give any main card assignments, uh, unlike Costello, who got a couple. Cuellar, actually, this was her first UFC event. Costello has worked a couple before, only in Virginia. But they only had five judges hired for this, and that's unusual, because usually you see somewhere in the neighborhood of seven, eight, even more. You, n you need more judges because while you're just sitting there watching a fight, it's mentally exhausting. And these Virginia guys doing fights back to back to back. Yeah, you that can't. You too need much to, give to them focus a break. on. You need to give them a break. What if they need to go 
use the restroom, you know? What if every fight was to have gone to the distance and they never got to leave? That's Right. That doesn't make any sense. They lucked out that there was a lot of finishes. They are very lucky. But fortunately, at least, Virginia, to their credit, they did hire three of the most experienced judges in the world, in Chris Lee, Sal Amato, and Derek Cleary. They staffed them for the final uh, two fights of the night. So at least we had that. But let's let's wrap it up here and talk about the biggest mess from the entire event, and that was the abbreviated fight between Magomed Ankalaev and Iwan Kutelaba. Dan, tell me what happened. This was a mess from top to bottom. Let's start with how does no security guard jump in before Kutelaba gets to Ankalaev? Yeah, so to be clear... Kutelaba, during his introduction, starts walking across the cage, as we sometimes see a fighter do. Casually. Casually. He gets way past the halfway point, is able to make contact with Ankalaev and get into his face before anybody even starts to react from the security. Uh, what are they doing? They were just watching. Ankalaev even sunk in. He got double underhooks and put him <laughs> against a cage. He did. He did. It was, it was, a, it was a, a premature start to the fight. And let's, let's be clear here. Kutelaba did what he did was wrong. He should not have gotten all the way over there. He shouldn't have done it. But these are, I mean, these are alpha males that are just waiting to rip each other's head off. You have security in there for a reason. They're not supposed to be soaking in the moment. They're supposed to be doing their job, and they didn't. They failed it. And realistically, referee Kevin McDonald, he could have called a disqualification and given the fight to Ankalaev even at that point, even before the fight started. That would have totally been viable yeah i'm kind of glad he didn't though i mean I, I guess he understood but i mean oh me too i i was this was the fight i was most looking forward to from last week that's what i said well other than the title fight of course yeah it was it was living up to it it was for about 30 seconds or so kutilaba gets gets tagged a little bit you could tell he still had his legs under him uh he's, he's eating some shots eating some kicks but he was playing a little bit of possum here he was definitely trying a little drunken master and i don't think Referee Kevin McDonald was aware of that, didn't look at his feet, didn't look how planted he was. So he called a stop to the fight mid-punch from Kutelaba, who is totally, clearly in this fight, and immediately protested. One of the worst stoppages in a real long time. This is easily the worst stoppage that I can remember uh, from a striking perspective. You know, we've had some premature submissions, maybe where someone tapped or didn't tap or thought they were out and they weren't. But striking-wise, I can't think of a worse premature one. Yeah, I'd have to dig deep and, and try to find something. But I've been digging and I can't. <laughs> in my opinion, you know, I'm not a fan of playing possum in an MMA fight, mainly because you're doing yourself no favors in the judge's eyes. You're right. So it, it's looking like you're getting hit and it's effective. I mean, so the round's being weighed for your opponent, even though you're not getting hurt. I don't know why you want to give him that edge. The only thing I will say about that is I'm pretty sure Kute Laba had no intention of this going all three rounds. I, I think it was kind of a killer be killed kind of deal as, as his fights typically don't go past the first round. So usually not even the, the first minute. So I could see why he was willing to kind of go that route, but it, you're right. It, it's, it's a strange strategy. 99% of the fault weighs on the referee, but you, you got to give that 1% fault to the fighter for even putting the ref in that position to think maybe I have to jump in here. Mm-hmm. And let's just be clear, too, uh, the judges, because they turn in uh, scores for these rounds, Ankalaev got a 10-9 for his work by Brian Costello. Good job, Brian. You saw the winner this time. Congrats, Brian. The moral of the story, of course, is if you're fighting, don't go to Virginia. We've hammered the Virginia DPOR enough. Let's get to contested rounds. Let's talk about the actual judging that went down in fights that had completed rounds. Most of the fights didn't go the distance, uh, including Joseph Benavidez going for the flyweight title against Davidson Figueredo. Now, even though Figueredo 
got the TKO in round two, the belt stays vacant because he missed weight by two and a half pounds. Sounds like they're probably going to be doing a uh, a rematch from what we're hearing. Even Dana White wants that, but that's for another day. All that said, we're here to talk judging, and round one was pretty close in my eyes. Dan, how did you see it? Yeah, round one was uh, really close. I scored it 10-9 for uh, Benavidez, though. You saw it the way the judges did, all three. Mm-hmm. So Figueroa initiates the takedown early into an arm bar, which was really tight. And I was like, wow, he's going to get it. And then when the arm got extended, I said, wow, that's it. He's going to sub Benavidez in round one. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty impressive. But, you know, Benavidez fought through it, got back up to the feet, and I thought he was able to uh, close the gap from that close finish. Yeah, no, he definitely fought back from from that point. It was it was getting to be a pretty very clear Figueredo round until Benavides start chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. I did think that Figueredo was landing some pretty good shots, especially near the end of this round on the feet. Now he was outstruck very clearly uh, on the numbers, but I ended up giving the round to Figueredo because I really did think that that submission attempt and that the fact that he was landing strikes that I thought were more effective. I thought that gave him a slight edge, but I completely understand why you would give Benavidez that round. Totally fine to give Figueroa that round. He was the one that actually almost finished the fight, so I can I can see you scoring that super heavy. Um, but I just thought uh, Benavidez landed the heavier strikes. Now, having said that, we're ju- I'm judging this round based on the way the ABC would like states to do it. But if you go by the actual strict Virginia commission, where they weigh wherever the fight took place more, which was on the feet then even I would say you have to give it to Benavidez because he did outstrike him so much, and I can't account for, to the same degree, that submission attempt. So the judges absolutely got it right, even if I disagree with the way Virginia grades their fights. But one more thing I have to say about this is I absolutely hated that Michael Bisping interviewed Benavidez after the KO. I'm really against that. I liked when Joe Rogan took a harsh stance against that a few years ago after after Alistair Overeem said that Stipe tapped in this very, <laughs> as we all know, <laughs> Alistair felt it. Uh, but I I really don't want to see them do that. And that was a really sad interview to watch. But moving on, I have another fight that I want to talk about that had a couple rounds that were worth discussing. This was this was the opening fight of the night between Sean Brady and Ismail Naurdiev. Lisa Cuellar gave round one to Brady. Did you see any argument for that? I'm thinking maybe because Brady started to come on and find his rhythm at the you know the final minute of the round. Maybe that was more fresh in her mind. And she said, okay, uh, you know, I think he won the round. Uh, yeah, okay. It's a bad score. I, I can't I can't get around it. I think you make a point, but it's a bad score. I don't I don't think anybody really competent would have given that round to uh, Brady. And that's just <laughs> that's the bottom line. This was a nardy of round. He he was clearly dominant. Yeah, not dominant, but he was he clearly won this round. It's not close. Round three, though. At this point, Brady had come back and won round two. Everybody agrees. Round three, Brady was just crushing Nardiev. He clearly had gotten the momentum back in this fight. I thought it was a 10-8. Chris Lee thought it was a 10-8. How did you have it? I thought it was a 10-8 as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely dominating round for him. That is the definition of a 10-8 is what he did. Just to go over the numbers a little bit, Brady outlanded in total strikes 72-3. to Yeah. He dominated the grappling. He was going for a choke at the end of the fight, which, I mean, you give him a few more seconds, does he get it? I don't know, maybe. That's certainly 10-8 territory right there and probably even farther. But if you add it all together, I wouldn't wouldn't even have been mad if someone had the guts to say, this is a 10-7 round. 
but they they're not going to do that. That's just that's a unicorn. Well, yeah, I don't I don't know if it was near finish. But you know what? Quayar and Costello, the the judges as we discussed, do not give out 10/8s. So this was just a textbook 10/9 from them. It's it's obnoxious that they're not even willing to think about it in any other terms. These are not the way things should be done. I don't know if that's just a Virginia mandate and they're used to doing that, but we're not used to that, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. you, you got to get your act together. They need to be retrained. Yes, I agree. Speaking of 10-8s, though, we've got a few other fights that had some real strong 10-8 candidates, which we only had one 10-8 round in the entire night, and that was the one we just discussed. Everything else, judges gave 10-9s, but start here with, with Luis Pena against Steve Garcia. Round one and round two, I thought they were at least in the discussion for 10-8. What about you? What did you think? I scored them 10-8. Both of them. Both both rounds. One okay. and two, I gave 10-8. All right. See, I gave round one a 10-8, but I gave round two a very close 10-8, 10-9. I went 10-9, but I can understand. I, I was I was very much torn there. Yeah, so I thought round two was the more clear 10-8. Oh, okay. He had, he had basically five minutes of back control. Garcia came out with some you know wild punches, was quickly on, on all fours, and the hooks were in. You know... The funny thing about those punches, I thought that they were effective in the sense that it was able to fend off Pena going for the choke. It, it, at some points, you saw him having to account for it and move away, and that to me is kind of effective offense there, no? I could see your point. I think maybe they just saved him from, they just helped him survive. I don't know if they actually score points. I don't know. I don't know, because uh, effective striking is supposed to be something that is causing your your opponent to account for something or they've been affected in a meaningful way. That to me says that Luis Pena was affected in the way that he was going to attack that choke because if he was just fending it off, it's that's hand fighting. You know, that's typically what we see is his hand fighting. As wild as it was and crazy as it was, I actually thought it was effective enough. But but again, I I can understand why you'd go one way or the other. I, I that one doesn't bother me. 10-8 first round for me for sure cuz Pena just had his way with him on uh, for almost the entire round. Right. I I actually thought on the feet early in, in round one, Garcia was getting the better of the striking, which forced Pena to, you know, get it to the ground. Okay. All right. I can see that point. Uh, but I, I still gave it a 10-8. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair. <laughs> but uh, I, I see your point there. For me, same thing. I, I had to go 10-8 that round. Now, no one would argue that round three was a 10-8. Although, here's a fun, fun fact here. Luis Pena landed zero strikes, and he still won the round. Don't get that too often. That's that's uh, who he, are we talking about? That's usually Damian Maya territory, right? He didn't throw any any strikes. He didn't land he had, any strikes. Oh, he didn't land any yeah, strikes. Yeah, he didn't throw too many either. But he only he landed zero official strikes. Interesting. Yeah, we got another fight to hear uh, that could have been a ten eight round one of Grant Dawson and Derek Minner. That was definitely a ten eight because Minner was saved by the bell before the final thirty seconds of the fight. I had. Derek Minner winning that round. Yeah, this was, this was a wacky round. This was a fun round. I really loved watching the uh, the ground exchanges that we got from both these guys. Yeah, uh, it was it was fun. <laughs> yeah, a lot of scrambles. That was a fun fight for as long as it lasted. Even when I was looking at this fight on paper, I was saying to myself, "This is going to end on the ground. Someone's going to end it on the ground. I don't really know who, but someone's going to do it." The final round that we have uh, potential ten eight for round three of Kyler Phillips and Gabrielle Silva. This fight was just super fun. It was a fight of the night, nonstop action. Phillips was impressive as heck to me. I hadn't watched him yet. Uh, I can't wait to see him again. But for me, this was a definite 10-8 round. 10-8 for uh, round three for sure. He was dominant all round. Mm -hmm. I didn't think he earned the 10-8 until the final minute. Okay. When he finally got the mount, and then he just started dropping bombs and then you know attacking subs. Okay. And that's when he earned the 10-8 for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I'm with you there. That's all the 10-8 rounds, though, we have. But there was one round... Where Lisa Cuellar definitely didn't see things the way she should have, and, and we need to call out 
this type of judging when it happens. This was in the Marching Tabura against Sergei Spivak. Round two, Cuellar gave it to Spivak. And no way is that okay. She's the only one who saw it that way. Uh, how is that? I, I don't get it. Uh, he may have had a slight edge from distance, but he had his back taken for the last two minutes of the round. He's eating shots. Uh, for me, easy 30-27 all the way for Tybura. She didn't see it that way, and this is part of the reason why I'm going to give her a not-very-friendly grade when we get to lest ye be judged. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what she's watching. It doesn't make sense. Uh, usually, we would close this segment by talking about how well the judges did on any fight. Did they actually get any fight all the way correct, all three judges? Not this time. Not not so good, Virginia. To be fair, they had so many finishes here that they only had a few fights to grade. Yeah, fortunately. So there were 8 out of 12 finishes Eight of the 12 fights ended ended early, right? Yeah. My favorite of the night was Jordan Griffin, guillotine choke of TJ Brown. From bottom side. That was awesome. It was set up from bottom side. You didn't finish it from bottom side, That's though. That's true. That's true. So when he locked it up, he was able to get his non-choking arm over the shoulder, which prevents TJ Brown from getting shoulder pressure on the head, which is, is what he needs. And then in the midst of that, Jordan Griffin's able to lock up one of the legs to prevent TJ Brown from circling. And getting into maybe a Von Flew choke. Uh, excuse me, uh, St. Prue. Oh, it's St. Prue now. <laughs> so it pre- prevents him from getting into that defensive position. But it doesn't matter which position you're in. If the blood supply is restricted to your brain for long enough, you're going to sleep. I had to go with uh, Megan Anderson, that knockout of uh, Norma Dumont. That really stood out for me. Was Norma Dumont really completely out? I don't know. I It was maybe a hair early, but... I had no problem with it. She wasn't coming back from it. I didn't. Yeah, think. I thought it was justified. Yeah, I had no problem with it. Uh, I also liked the other uh, women's featherweight finish that we had on the main card. This was Felicia Spencer, as she just destroyed Zara Farn. <laughs> she was just beating on her from mount. I don't know why the ref let that one go and stopped the other one early. I actually thought we were going to get our uh, a legit ten seven there. Fortunately, uh, for Farn's sake, that didn't happen. And for the record, I'd just like to point out: I hope that Spencer gets the next shot at the featherweight title. Part of me thinks it's going to go to Anderson, but that's neither here nor there. Do you have anything else that, that really impressed you from that one? I like Grant Dawson's rear naked choke. I'm a, I'm a fan of submissions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll take subs over knockouts. Right on, right on. Now it's time for the grading of the judges, lest ye be judged, as we call it here. Um, no judges on my card got perfect scores, but Dan, how did you think? Uh, what was your best judge of the night? All three of the, the you know, the veteran judges, Sal Diamato, Chris Lee, Derek Clear, I thought they all got A's in my book. Okay. They know how to judge a fight. I wasn't as kind to them. I, I gave Chris Lee a B. It was still my highest grade of the night. We only saw five out of the eight rounds uh, that he scored the same. But to be fair, one of them was the Benavides round, which in Virginia, he scored the way you're supposed to. So I don't even fault that. I liked that he gave a 10A for Brady, but I just, I wish he could have handed out more. So that's why I ended up knocking him a little bit down to the B. But Cleary, yeah, Cleary didn't even, uh, he didn't turn in a full round score or full fight score, excuse me, on seven assignments. Very strange. What about the worst judges, though? Worst judges, clearly. Brian Costello, I gave him an F. And Lisa Cuellar, I gave her a D. Okay. I actually went the opposite. I gave Brian Costello a D, and I gave Cuellar the F. But why Why did you do that? I gave Costello the F because it's, it's inexcusable to give a guy a round that he got choked unconscious in. I mean, that's fair. But the funny thing is I actually ended up putting him ahead of Cuellar because... At least when he did that, it was completely meaningless. It just made him look stupid. The fact that they didn't give out 10-8s is dumb. For Cuellar, we only agreed on 8 out of 13 rounds. She botched rounds in Sergei Spivak round 2 and and also the the Brady round, round 1. It just Neither one made sense to me, and I think I had to punish her pretty hard for that. 
Yeah, those are pretty big blunders. Yeah, so that that to me, that's an F. You really can't put her on major MMA shows for a while. This was this was a bad tryout for her, unfortunately. So, but I also think Virginia made a mistake not hiring more judges because they only had five for the whole night, and that wasn't enough. Yeah, definitely needed more. That's enough about UFC Norfolk. I think we'd all like to forget this one as soon as we can. Time for another edition of Past Judgment, a segment in which we look further back than the latest card and apply our own couchside judges criteria to it. This week, we're going over one of last year's best fights, Kelvin Gastelum against Israel Adesanya for the interim middleweight title. Obviously, Adesanya is still undefeated and is the current undisputed champion, so we all remember who won this one, but we thought this would be a good one to revisit and judge with our own CSJ criteria ahead of Adesanya's title defense this weekend against Yoel Romero. Scott, can you quickly run down how we score fights in past judgment? Yeah, it's all about the same as the ABC's 10-point must system, uh, but there's some key changes. We drop aggression and area control as tiebreakers when effective striking and grappling are even, allowing for more frequent 10-10 rounds. A 10-9 round means one in which a fighter had a slight but noticeable advantage. A 10-8 round is for a round clearly and easily won by one of the fighters, and a 10-7 round is a dominant round that you might think of right now, as a 10-8 round by the current criteria. All this allows for more diverse round scores without blowing up the entire 10-point must system. So remind us, when and where did this fight happen? Yeah, so this was April 13th last year, UFC 236 in Atlanta. This was the co-headliner to another interim title fight for the lightweight interim title between Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier. So Scott, why were Adesanya and Gaslam fighting for an interim title? Okay, so... Robert Whitaker, as you know, has had some issues over the years. At this point, he was recovering from an emergency hernia surgery. So that that's kind of necessitated them to come up with the interim title fight. So how did these two become the two that were going to get the chance at it? Well, originally, Gastelum was going to fight against Whitaker uh, in February for the title, but that was when the emergency kind of came up. And that was actually on the same night that Israel Adesanya beat Anderson Silva. At this point, Adesanya had won his first five UFC fights. Gastelum was looking pretty good in his middleweight run after being a longtime welterweight. Okay, yeah, so I guess when you beat Anderson Silva, you kind of move up the ranks pretty quickly there. Oh, yeah, obviously, because, you know, Anderson Silva is still the same fighter he was 10 years ago. But worth noting, too, Gastelum was the number four contender in the UFC's official rankings. Adesanya was number five. Um, And I should also mention, too, that Adesanya came into this one with a really huge reach and height advantage. He has seven inches taller and eight and a half inches longer reach. That's pretty big. Mm-hmm. So who were the judges in ref? Yeah, judges were Mike Bell, veteran judge, Ken Coffey, and Anthony Maness. The referee was the venerable Mark Goddard. <laughs> so Dan, take us through round one. What happened? Okay, so it was a slow start and really not much action throughout the round. Adesanya lands a nice body kick, was the most notable strike I can remember from him. And Gaslam landed a big uh, big punch, which dropped Adesanya, which was the biggest punch, uh, biggest strike of the round. Well, he didn't quite drop him. It was more that he kind of got him up against the cage. It, it probably He probably would have fallen, but the cage saved him from, from yeah, going he, down. Yeah, he stumbled. Yeah. It was a good flurry, though. He caught him in a nice flurry with a right hand. It yeah. was about two minutes into the round, right? Right. That was, like, really all that round was. Yeah. I, I didn't have much. There was not much action or, or much else to score. I didn't think it was, it, it wasn't, like, one of those typical feeling out rounds that you might be thinking of with something like this. There was there was some action. It was just a little more, I guess, labored in in the pace of the fight as, as they it, were both. It, yeah, they were feeling each other out, but not not in the way that they were having a staring contest. Gaslam was still throwing heavy heavy shots. He just wasn't landing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Adesanya really didn't take much damage even in that flurry. I, I didn't think he was he was there. He was fine. He wasn't really rocked. It was just kind of a little bit of a stumble. But how did you how did you end up grading that round? Yeah, I think that was a clear ten nine. 
Okay. I gave it to Gaston. Okay, yeah. I ended up giving that one actually a 10-8. And just because by our criteria, we're looking at a clear winner of the round gets you a 10-8. And for me, I thought that Gastelum clearly won it. You wouldn't make any argument for Adesanya winning that one as much as it wasn't a dominant round by any stretch. Dominant rounds are what we call 10-7. So for me, as close as it was, I was on the fence here. I don't have a problem with 10-9, but I did go 10-8. I just didn't think there was enough offense to, to give a 10-8. All right, that's fair. All three judges at this point did give 10-9 to Gastelum. That was definitely the right score. No one would dispute that. Uh, what about round two? Round two, much different round. Yeah, a lot a lot more urgency. So Adesanya comes out, and he he's, lands a nice right, drops Gastelum. Yes. I mean, he forces Gastelum to start trying to actually wrestle. Mm-hmm. That was like, It was kind of a counter right, right? It was overhand right? Yeah. Overhand right. Mm-hmm. Bam. Right on the forehead, I think. I think he landed right on the forehead, dropped Ga- him. Gastelum just, he overextended himself and he paid for it. Yeah, and that round, Gastelum got rocked like three times. But it wasn't ever close to being finished. But it did force him to try to wrestle. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't get any takedowns, but he did go for a couple. Completely changed the strategy he had for that round. I scored it a 10-8 for a style bender. Yeah, that's the only way to see it. 10-8. Clearly, in our scoring, um, it, it was it was a very, very solid round for him, and that's where you start to see Adesanya kind of coming into his own. He's he's one of those typical slow starting kickboxing type fighters that Anderson Silva was always known as being, and and here he's he's really starting to get going. So I went ten eight as well. I have it eighteen eighteen on my scorecard. You would have it nineteen eighteen nineteen eighteen. Yeah, all three judges though at the time they got it right. Ten nine for Adesanya. And that's the only way to score that one under the normal ABC criteria. What about round three? Round three was a really close round, I thought. Closest to the fight for me. Yeah, definitely really close. I really wanted to give it a 10-10. I thought Adesanya landed slightly more impactful shots. So I let, uh, I leaned more 10-9 because I felt there wasn't a way to justify Gaslam getting the round. But I thought you could justify Adesanya getting it. Yeah, that was the same thing for me. I I didn't even flirt with a 10-10. I just didn't see it nearly as closely as you did. The the numbers were pretty close, but you know we're not grading numbers; we're grading a fight. And I did agree that Adesanya was getting a little bit more of the, uh, especially with controlling distance. He had the better kicks. They were both keeping Gastelum at bay as well as landing. And I, I liked that offense that he was getting out of it. Just wasn't the most. A daring round. It wasn't the most exciting round. Gastelum, to his credit, he recovered pretty well from kind of a rough round two, so he made it very close. Gastelum did land one takedown with about 80 seconds left in the round. Nothing came of it. So at this point, we're talking about 10-9 each for Adesanya, so he's up two points on your card, only up one point on mine. Right, I got 29-27 at this time. And I have 28-27. All three judges, 10-9 for Adesanya. The judges are really on point with this fight. I have to give credit to them. They were doing a really good job on this particular night. Round four, championship rounds, though. Early in the round, Adesanya's landing much better. But the turning point of this round is he gets head kicked, and he's wobbly. Looks like Gastelum might get him here. Yeah. And then Gastelum does something I don't understand why he did. He takes it. He shoots when... Adesanya's clearly hurt against the cage. Oh, yeah. I don't know what he was thinking there. I was. I had the same thought. It was just a total tactical error on his part. Adesanya, to his credit, he recovered pretty quickly anyway, but it just gave him a few extra seconds that if Gastelum maybe just goes for like an uppercut or something yeah. like that, maybe he puts him away and, and he's he's got gold around yeah, him. Yeah, he lands one more punch. He, he may be the champ. It was not to be. Adesanya, though, he, he did have some moments, uh, especially in the first few minutes. It, it wasn't enough to to make a meaningful impact, though. This was 
at this point in the fight, the most lopsided round, I think we... Do we both agree here? I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The numbers, actually. Gastelum outstruck 32 to 16 from distance. That tells you a lot. Uh, he also mixed up his offense a lot better than he'd been doing. He was mostly kind of going with a boxing attack, a couple kicks here and there for the first three rounds, but he, he was definitely more willing to throw in some kicks, throw in... You know, some body work, things like that. I, I like to see that, and that was where you saw him have the most success. For sure. He almost he almost had a finish. He did. It, he did. But I wouldn't go 10-7 on our criteria. I, I just gave it a strong 10-8 for Gastelum. I gave it a 10-8 yeah. as well. I mean, if he didn't shoot, who knows? He may, <laughs> maybe gets a 10-7, even if he recovers. Eh, it's one of those things that we will never know what universe where Kelvin Gastelum was the interim middleweight champion. Yeah. Uh, but... It, at this point on my card, Gastelum actually took a lead, 37 to 36, entering the final round. And at this point, now it's even. Mm-hmm. The judges, they only gave 10-9 for Gastelum. I, I really would have liked to have seen them gone to 10-8, even under those criteria. I'm not going to butcher them for it, but I mean, what are, what are you looking for? Yeah, they could have went for a 10-8 there. Yeah, it's not the worst, but uh, nonetheless, it is what it is. And, and they could have also went 10-8 in round two, probably, for Adesanya. Yeah, yeah, that's probably fair too. I didn't think it was quite as to the same dominant degree. I really did think Gastelum was more dominant well, this, in round this four. This was much more closer yeah. to a finish. Yeah. Round five, though. <laughs> Epic round. This was crazy. I don't know if I saw a title fight with a round like this since Frankie Edgar in Gray Maynard. Yeah, that's it, that's probably about as close as we get here to, to the dominance that we saw from Israel Adesanya. This entire round was all Adesanya. Mm-hmm. Gastelum was hurt. The entire round. He also looked tired. I don't think he was just hurt. I think he was starting to really feel it at this point in the in the fight. And and I don't blame him because there were there was some exchanges that really take a lot out of you. The, the pace that Adesanya was trying to push by, from the second round on that that was a tough pace. He also had to fight off two really tight chokes. Uh, he had to fight off that guillotine, which ended up in a, a standing sc- guillotine. Standing guillotine, but it it looked nasty. Mm-hmm. You know, the scramble ended up Adesanya on his back in a, a locked triangle. Fighting out of these is, is exhausting. And this was all within 30 seconds. We don't see a lot of vaunted kickboxers that are going for two such disparate submission attempts right. in the middle of the fifth round when, when they you would think would be going for some, some nice kicks and things like that yeah. as he had been doing. So credit to him for really displaying the mixed part of mixed I, martial arts. Adesanya, he's got some subs up his sleeve. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a real nice one one of these days. That that would be That's going to blow the roof off of people, but I think we've at least... Got a taste of it here. What he can do? Yeah, I was, I was, I, I got a little excited when he locked up that triangle. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Yeah, but I thought there was multiple times this fight uh, could have been stopped in this round. Yeah, I mean, from probably the last three minutes on, Adesanya was just teeing off. Gastelum uh, actually got floored three times in the final 71 seconds. First from a straight right in an exchange. Second was kind of just an accumulation of shots uh, that stumbled him, and Adesanya kind of just. Looked like he almost just pushed him down. He, he was feeling it right there. He was just thriving on confidence at this point. And the third time was from a left, uh, just as as Adesanya was blasting him with left rights. It just, <laughs> yeah. I think it wouldn't have been the worst thing if we saw that fight stop. But okay, he, he made it to the end. I thought this was a legit ten seven. Yes. Not not just by our standards, but by the ABC. I thought this should have been scored a 10-7. Did any of the judges score a 10-7? No, no. They all gave 10-8s. You know they don't give 10-7s. But, yeah, if if you're going to start making arguments for 10-7s in, in the ABC criteria, this is this is probably where you could start looking. <laughs> you just look at Gastelum's face, too, and he was a bloody mess by the end. Not, not that Adesanya didn't take his licks in this fight, especially in round four, but 
Gastelum was a mess. And the stats here are incredible, too. Adesanya outstruck 37 to 15 on significant strikes. He had three knockdowns, two submission attempts. This is amazing. This yeah. is You just don't see this, especially in round five of a title fight. It's incredible. Yeah, absolutely overwhelming dominance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I had it kind of a 10-8 until that final minute or so. That was where it really pushed it over to the 10-7 round. Yeah, I start giving 10-7s when I can start saying, okay, ref, you can stop the fight. Mm-hmm. And that's our, that's a 10-7 to me. Okay. So I scored a 10-7 as well. All right, so what's your final score then? What's, what's, what, do you, what do we give as the final? My final score was Adesanya 47, Gastelum 44. Okay, and I had it just a point off of you, Adesanya 46, Gastelum 44. Um, because of the round, we differed in round one. All three judges gave Adesanya the 10-8, so there was a 48-46 score for all three judges for Adesanya. Overall, fantastic back-and-forth fight. It was There was a lot of drama here. This is what you want in a title fight. Uh, when I was watching live, I was actually... I was into it, but I didn't think it was quite fight of the year type of stuff the way everybody was saying. But watching it the second time, I got really into it, and I can understand that. Yeah, it was definitely a fun fight. Now, one takeaway from this fight for me is just how hittable Adesanya was. He was extremely hittable, even against someone with kind of a limited attack in Gastelum, who's mostly focused on just throwing fists. He threw kicks here and there, and he definitely rocked him with one kick, but you didn't see a whole lot of it. A fighter like Gastelum, you know, he's he's throwing power, he's throwing good boxing, and he's got some takedowns. Power hitters with good chins and some wrestling, they can give this champ problems. Does that sound like anybody to you, Dan? Maybe, uh, maybe Romero? Yeah, I mean, this weekend, Yoel Romero. Has taken on Israel Adesanya. Yeah, so UFC 248 at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. We got, actually, it's the first undisputed middleweight title defense for Adesanya. And this is Romero's third chance at a middleweight title. So I'm really excited about this one. What about you? This is a really exciting matchup. I mean, any given night, Romero can beat anybody. Yep. What I love about Romero is even when people call out, oh, does this guy have cardio issues or whatever, seven of his 13 victories are by third round TKO or KO. You don't finish fights like that if you have nothing left. Yeah. He actually, and, and also people kind of forget this, I think, in the second fight between Romero and Whitaker for the title, Romero won most of the, the championship rounds, and some people think he won the fight because he won the last three. It's possible. Maybe we'll get to look back on that one day. I, that would be fun. That would be fun. Uh, how do you how do you uh, see this one going, actually? You got a pick? I don't have a pick. For me? I'll tell you what, I'm going with Romero in an upset. Thunderous KO. Wow, okay. Thunderous KO. I, I mean, Adesanya has GOAT potentials, and if he wants to get that, he has to win this fight. But uh, this isn't even the only title fight we get. We actually have Zhang Li, the women's strawweight champion, is making her first title defense against the most notable women's strawweight champion that we've had, Joanna Janjacek. Right, this is another exciting fight because you want to see if, you know, Joanna can get back to her orig- her old self. Zhang Li is really impressive. I really love watching her. She's got some excellent striking. She's got power. And I really want to see what she's going to be like as she comes over here for such a pressure-packed fight and not yeah. just in China. You know, she only has three decisions. Yeah. So she is a finisher. Yeah, this, this is a girl with killer instinct. It should be a great fight. I'm looking forward to this one very much. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other fights you're looking forward to? Yeah. For me, I really want to see... Sean O'Malley finally get back into the cage. It's been just about two years since he last fought uh, the Bantamweight prospect that everybody loves. He's fighting against Jose Quinones, and I really want to see. This is a good test for him. Quinones is tough. Right, yeah. And uh, O'Malley was suspended, right? That's why he's been out so long and injured. Yeah, he was suspended by USADA and and a little bit of Nevada as well. There was an Austrian 
uh, tests that went didn't go his way. He actually had to serve two suspensions from it, but the second failure probably was something residual. We don't know, but it seems like it probably was a residual thing. Kind of paid twice for the same thing. He also had a hip surgery in there in 2018, but that's, that's old news. He's way back from that. He's so dynamic, though. I, I want to see what he can do now that the, the competition is going to get a little more stiff. Yeah, let's see if he can rise to the occasion. What about you? What, what else do you want to see? I'm looking forward to seeing Hadolfo Vieira take on Saperbeck Safarov. Grappling master. Guy's a four-time world BJJ champ and ADCC champ, but I uh, foresee a submission. All right, so Scott, what, what kind of judges can we expect this weekend? Well, it's Nevada. It's This is one of the top commissions in the country. We're not going to get the rinky-dink sideshows that we get in Texas and Virginia after a brutal, brutal February for some commissions here. They use the latest criteria. You might see, unfortunately, someone like Adelaide Bird, who you know, no. I'm not a fan of. No. I don't know. We haven't seen the assignments yet. I'm banning her. I'm hope I'm hoping we don't see her name show up here, especially not in the title fights. But and if she does show up, I hope it's a finish. <laughs> yes, yes. Pray for a finish. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. Join us next week when we'll be breaking down this weekend's judging from UFC 248. We'll also have another segment of past judgment, and we'll be looking ahead to UFC Brasilia, where Kevin Lee will be taking on Charles Oliveira. As always, don't forget to subscribe to be notified when new episodes release. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Couchside Judges. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. Instagram as well, which I don't use as much. And myself at Dan Urban MMA. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Take care.